Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, if you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you don't, it's okay. We'll have it on the screen for you. Go with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul. And Paul's talking to a church, and he's kind of building a case for them, and he wants them to understand something really, really important here. Verse 1 says this, Dear friends, let me give you clarity, the heart of the gospel that I preach to you, the good news that you have heartily received on which you stand. So this is a good church of standing on the good news of Jesus Christ. But they got, they got some issues. In verse 3, it says this, For I've shared with you what I received, what is the utmost importance. And he says, this is what is important about your faith. This is what is important about you following Jesus. Number one, that Jesus died for your sins. That he's fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. Verse 4, it says that he was buried in a tomb, but that he was raised from the dead three days later. He appeared to Peter and the 12 disciples. He also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time. Verse 12, this message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. So how, now here's the question. This is what he's posing a question to them. He says, how could you possibly say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So Paul's dealing with a couple things here. The first thing is this, that the message of Jesus is the only message. That there is one message, there is one God, there is one way to heaven, and it is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. And the world will tell you that there's a lot of different ways, there's a lot of different pathways, there's a lot of different gods, and they all lead to the same place, and it's just not true. And Paul's saying there's one message, and the message is Christ. And I'm going to preach Christ in Christ alone. Can I get an amen? amen? The second thing that he's talking about is what's important? What's important in our faith? And he talks about four things that are really important in our faith that we actually build our entire faith on. This is the gospel, he's saying. The gospel is that Jesus died, died as a man. He died perfectly sinless as a man, and he paid a price for me and for you. It's a great revelation. He paid a price. See, there was a price that had to be paid for all of our sin, for all of our failure, for all of our mistakes. The second thing he's talking about is this, that Jesus was buried. He died, just like we're going to die. He died, was buried, was put in a tomb. But the third thing he talks about is this, that Jesus was resurrected, meaning this, that he didn't come back as just a ghost, a spirit, some entity, but that when Jesus was raised, he was raised back to life as a man, as a physical being, as a man. He's saying, this is really important that you understand this. And then he said this, he appeared, not as a ghost, not as some weird thing floating around, but as a man, he appeared to the 12 disciples and then to over 515 of his followers. And he says, this is what we build our faith on. Verse 13, it says this, for this, there's an, for if, 
There is no such thing as a resurrection of dead. Then Christ has not been risen. So what's he saying? Our hope, all of our hope is this today, that Jesus died, but was resurrected. And just as Jesus was resurrected, we will be someday too. That's what our hope is. Our hope is in that, that that will happen for us too because of Jesus. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, he said, if Christ hasn't been raised, all of our preaching is for nothing. And your faith is what? It's useless. So Paul's really saying this. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then this preaching, your faith, your trust in Jesus, none of it matters. We should all find better things to do with our time. We shouldn't be here today. We should have all slept longer. Amen. Okay. Right? We should have got a little more sleep. Should be golfing today. Should be fishing. We should be doing something else. Verse 15. Furthermore, if the dead, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we all are false witnesses misrepresenting God. That would mean this, that our preaching is a lie, stating that God has been raised from the dead. And if he hasn't really been raised from the dead, what does it matter? Verse 16. If the dead aren't raised up, in the old translation, it would be translated this way. If there is no life after death. This is what Paul's really dealing with. He's talking about like, what's after this life? We all believe that this life is so important. We all believe we put so much stock, we put so much energy, we put so much focus, we put so much time, effort into this life. But Paul's going, if there is no life after death, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, he makes a really big statement here. He says this, then you're still lost. Lost in what? In your sin and your failures, and your mistakes. If Christ hasn't been risen up, none of us have any hope. What he's saying is this. If Christ isn't alive, if he hasn't been raised, if we're not going to be raised with us, then let's just go home. Let's shut the church down. Stop wasting our time. What he's really saying is this too. See, the world does this. When, when somebody passes away, we go, R.I.P., Right? Rest in peace. Or, or we say things like, you know, I, I know they're looking down on me. I know my grandma's looking down on me. I know, I, I've heard this so many times on so many different broadcasts, where it'd be like, I felt Kobe with me. I felt Kobe looking down on me. I felt Kobe's energy with me, okay? I've heard it so many times. Now, what Paul's saying is this. If Jesus didn't die and was resurrected as a man, then we're not going to be resurrected either. And he's saying this, what's the point? What's the point of what? What's the point of life? What's the purpose? If there's no God and if there's no life after death, then why? Why do we fight and why do we go through hardship and why do we go through struggles and why do we go through pain? Is life just eating, sleeping, working, struggling, a little bit of joy when you get on the beach and you're like, thank you, Jesus, for this break, right? And then what, we just die? 
Is that what life's really about? Is that really what our hope is in? That we're just going to die someday? That I'm never going to see my family members? I'm never going to see my grandma again? I can't wait to see her again someday. She made the best coffee cake. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was just incredible. She grew up on a farm in Illinois. She was one of 19. She was just beautiful cook. She made homemade Swedish pancakes. I'm making everybody so hungry right now. I'm hungry, okay? I never saw her use a box in her life. Everything was fresh. Everything was ingredients. You know what I miss the most? I miss her hugs. No matter what was going on in my life, as soon as I got a hug from her, I knew everything was okay. Paul's saying, if none of this, none of this happened, if Jesus wasn't raised, then, then we're all, we have no hope. We're never going to see these people again. We're just going to live, we're going to pay taxes, and we're going to die. And what are we going to become? We're going to become worm food. But in verse 20, Paul changes everything. In verse 20, he says this, but the truth, but the truth, what is the truth? What is the truth in this life? What is the truth in this day, in this time, in this age where truth is relevant? Truth is spinned a hundred different ways. What is the truth? Paul goes, but the truth is this, that Christ was raised from the dead. He's alive. He was a man. He came back. He's victorious. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he won. That's what Paul's saying. As what? The first fruit. Why is he the first fruit? Because he went before us. He went before us. He laid his life down for us so that we could come alive in Jesus so that we could be resurrected just like Jesus. Because Jesus was raised in a body, a physical body. He came back to the disciples. He said, here, touch it. Touch the wounds. Touch my hands. Touch me. I'm alive. They weren't putting their hand into a spirit. They were touching the physical body of Jesus that was resurrected. And because Jesus was raised, you can put your faith in Jesus. Because guess what? He can change your entire life. He'll change everything about your life. Now, here's the deal. I know that I've been real technical right now, and it feels like a little bit like a Bible study, okay? I, I get that, okay? But I want, I'm laying a foundation because I need you to know something. And the truth is this. Jesus needs you to know this so that you know and believe that there still is hope. There's hope. And what is the hope? The hope is this, that if there's anything in your life today that is dead, there is hope because of Jesus, because he was resurrected, he can resurrect anything. There's hope. There's hope for your life. 
hope for your marriage. There's hope for your children. There's hope for your future. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for every area of your life, even if you feel and sense and believe and think that it's dead and it's over and you have no hope, there's hope because Jesus is alive. John chapter 21, verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has been resurrected. He told them, he told the angel to Mary Magdalene, he said, I'm going to meet them in Galilee. Jesus knows where they're at. Jesus always knows where we're at. And says, this is what happened. Several of the disciples, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples, Peter said, one day he said this, I'm going fishing, going fishing, I'm leaving all this. All of them said, we'll come with you, they said. So they went to the boat, and they caught nothing all night. See, in this moment, Peter believes a lie that the enemy speaks to all of us. All the time, this lie, and it's, he speaks it two different ways. The first way he says is this, your life in Jesus is dead. Why does Peter believe that his life in Jesus is dead? Because he just failed. He just failed him. He just failed God. He just failed Jesus. So he believes because of his failure, now he is separated from God. Or the other lie is spun this way, and we all go through this. No matter if we know Jesus personally or if we don't know Jesus personally today, we all have these same lies. And this other lie is this, because of your sin, because of your failure, because of your junk, you are unforgivable. There's no way you can be forgiven. There's no way the grace of God could be that good. And this is what Peter believes. And because he believes this, he goes, I'm going to go fishing, right? Because Peter was the one. He was the one that looked at Jesus when they were having the last supper. And he looked at Jesus and he said, I'll never fail you, right? He was so confident in himself. He had so much confidence that he would be the one that would stand firm, that would stand the test and would not deny Jesus, But he was the one that actually did. He did deny Jesus just once. It's one thing to make one mistake. But he denied him a second time. And a third time he denied Jesus. It'd be like this. It'd be like me denying my beautiful wife. Okay? Right? It'd be like me uh, out and about the town and some lady came up to me and she said, hey, how you doing, big boy? I mean, like, hey, doing great. It's a beautiful day, you know? She said, hey, I saw you, but I, I saw you with your wife. And I was like, wife? Are you serious? My wife? Oh, that's my sister that I'm with. Are you, I'll listen, what are you talking about, right? Now, how many of you know I'd be dead after the first time, okay? The first time, all right? But then if it happened a second time, another lady came, hey, big boy. That's right. Big man on campus, right? Hey, I saw you walking in with your wife. I'm like, wife? 
Are you serious? Are you serious? I am way too young to be having a wife. What are you talking about, right? And then it happened a third time. You all know the truth. My marriage would be dead. It would be over. It would be gone. Can I get an amen from all the married people, okay? See, this is what Peter believes. He's failed. He failed. He didn't deny Jesus once. He denied him three times. After spending three years with the man. What Peter is really saying when he says, I'm going fishing, he's saying this. There's no hope. He's saying, we lost. Did you see that they took Jesus and they whipped him? They whipped him to the place where they ripped his flesh off of his body. They whipped him to the place where you couldn't even recognize him anymore. Peter's going, we lost. They took a crown of thorns and jabbed it into his head. They took nails and they hung him to the cross. I saw him. He died. We lost. He's saying, we lost everything. See, Peter left his family and his friends and his job. He left everything to follow Jesus. And now he has failed and Jesus is dead. So Peter is going, where's the hope? There's no hope. I'm going to go back. It's like what Rachel said in that testimony video. There was no hope. She had no hope for their marriage. She just came and met her husband here at church just to try to do the right thing. She really didn't have hope. So we think things are dead and there's no hope. We believe that there's no hope for our marriage. We think, you know what, we've just fallen out of love. There's no more love. I don't have those feelings anymore. I don't have those emotions anymore. I don't feel that way anymore. There's no hope. How could this ever be restored? I've felt this way for years now. There's no hope. There's no hope for my kids. My kids are crazy. They're insane. How could there ever be hope for these children? Right? We think there's no hope for these broken relationships. There's no hope for my life. There's no hope for my future. I am who I am today and I'll always be that person. There's no hope. And here's the deal. When you believe that there is no hope, just like Peter, Peter believed that there was no hope. And when you believe that, the only thing you can think about is what you used to have in your past. That's why Peter's going fishing. It's just going back to what he knew because he's lost all hope. Verse 4, at dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach. Jesus was standing at the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. Why couldn't they see who he was? Because he was a resurrected body. He had a totally different body. But he was alive. He was a man. Okay? Now, I think about my resurrected body all the time. I'm going to have a 12-pack or a 14-pack. I'm going to be shredded. I'm going to be ripped, perfectly tan all the time. Never going to lose a tan, Okay? Never going to be pasty. Uh, 
pasty. It's just the worst. Thank God for tanning beds in Jesus' name. Don't email me about that, okay? All right? I know the dangers, okay? Verse 5. He called out, followers, have you caught any fish? They replied, no, they replied. Why, why didn't they catch any fish? Because your future isn't in your past. That was a good word. Your future isn't in your past. Your future is in what God has in store for you in the future, not what was in the past. Verse 6, he said, throw out your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. And now at this point, I think somebody on the boat thought, you know what? Wait, wait, I've heard that before. Wait, wait, I know that voice. I think we've, we've done this before. And so they did. And they couldn't haul the net in because it was filled with so many fish. Verse 7. The disciple Jesus loved. I love that John, John says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, okay? It's either arrogance or it's just wonderful truth that he really knows in his soul, okay? But he really knows that Jesus loves him. He really believes that Jesus is for him, okay? That one, John, John, the disciple Jesus loved, said to Peter, he said, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. So the question is this. Why didn't Peter know it was Jesus? It's the same voice. Why did John know it was Jesus, but Peter didn't know it was Jesus? It's because of this. Shame will deafen you from the voice of Jesus. Guilt and shame will deafen your life in the only thing that you can think about is your failure. You see your future through failure. You see your life through God through failure. And this is how Peter sees himself. He sees himself through failure. He has no hope. He's lost all hope. But the one that knew that he was loved, he heard the voice. And he said, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. When Peter heard it was the Lord, it was Jesus, it said this, he jumped into the water and headed to shore. When you're desperate enough, see, when you come to a place where you're like, you know what, I have no hope. I have no hope for my life. I have no hope for the future. I have no hope for eternity. I have no hope for anything. When you are desperate, Desperate enough, you don't care anymore. And you'll jump into the ocean, you'll swim to Jesus. You don't care what you look like. You don't care what people think about you. All that you want is Jesus. Verse 8, the others stayed in the boat and pulled the load, the load to shore. For there was about a hundred, for they were about a hundred yards from shore. Verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Let's give it up for Jesus, making breakfast. Come on. Cooking fish over a fire with some bread. Why is Jesus so good to take time to go find the one that had failed him? 
Because Jesus wanted them to see three things. The first one is this. Okay? First thing Jesus wanted to see was this. Nothing is ever dead. Look at your neighbor and say, nothing is ever dead. Okay? Nothing's ever dead. Okay? Jesus wants them all to see what? That he is alive. That he has come back to life. He is not dead. Death, the grave, hell did not overcome him. Jesus was alive and he wanted them to see him alive. Jesus wanted them to know what? That nothing is ever dead in Jesus. There's nothing that's ever too dead in Jesus. Jesus wanted them to know that their failure didn't separate them from him. Jesus wanted them to know that. The second thing that Jesus wanted to know was this. You're never too far gone. Never too far gone, right? You can come on up wherever you're at. Never too far gone. What Peter is really doing when he said, I'm going fishing, is he's running because he believes there's no more grace, there's no more mercy for him. It's all been used up. He's failed. See, this is why we run from God all the time, because we think, I have failed God over and over and over again. And there's, there's just no more grace. How could, how could there be any more grace? How could there be any more mercy? How could he be that kind? How could he do that? There's just no more left for me. But the third thing that Jesus really wanted them to see was this, that whatever Jesus touches comes back to life. I remember, how many of you remember the story of Lazarus? He was dead. Dead, not for just a moment, not for just a hot second, not for like 30 minutes. Lazarus was dead for days. Dead, buried in the tomb for days. It didn't matter. When Jesus touched him, he came right back to life. How about the man with leprosy? Stricken with sickness. Had to live outside of the city. When Jesus touched him, he was healed. How about the man with the withered hand, deformed hand? Jesus said, hey, put your hand out. Jesus touched it, came back to life. How about the woman that was caught in the affair, right? Jesus restores her. How about the woman that bled for 12 years? 12 years. As soon as she touched the hem of his garment, she was what? She was healed, she was restored. Why did Jesus come back to see Peter? He came to bring him back to life. He came to resurrect Peter and to resurrect his life. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter responded, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter asked, said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time he asked him, do you love me? One time for every time he failed. One time. Jesus knows where you're at all the time. I love that Jesus finds Peter 
in his failure at the same place that he found him three years prior, fishing. Do you love me? Peter was hurt when Jesus asked him this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. What is Jesus doing? He's resurrecting him. He's resurrecting his confidence back to Peter. Some of you need to have a confidence resurrected back into your soul. What is our confidence? Our confidence is that God loves us so much. He forgives. He heals. He restores. We need to have confidence again that he died, not just for the world, but he died for you personally because he cares desperately for you. You need to have confidence again that God's plans for your life are not dead because of your failure. Selling Peter, he said, hey, listen, I need you to understand the same plan that I had for you and your future, none of it's dead. It's all alive. Not because of you, because of me. He's resurrecting his joy. I've always said this. Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. We should be full of joy. We should be full of laughter. We should be full of hope. We should be full of it. We know where we're going. We know what's going to be next. What's next for us is not this earth. What is next for us isn't the pain and the shame. What's next for us is heaven. I get to be with Jesus in his goodness, in his grace. That's what's next for us. He's saying, Peter, I know that you failed. Because here's what happened. When we fail, it always leads to anger, always leads to depression, always leads to frustration. He's saying, Peter, I know you failed. He's saying to you, I know that you fail. I know all of you fail, but that's why I went to the cross. That's why I went to the cross to take care of all of your failure. Put it on me, give it to me. Jesus is resurrecting his identity. He's saying, Peter, you're not a fisherman. This isn't who you are. This isn't what I've created you to be. What is he telling Peter? Your past doesn't determine what I'm gonna do in your future. He's giving him identity, he's giving him hope. Jesus is resurrecting hope in his life. He's telling Peter, nothing, I mean nothing is ever dead in me. Why? Because I rose and I'm victorious. And because I rose, you have hope. You have hope. See, you may believe, you may believe today that there is no hope. And the world might tell you that there's no hope. The doctor might tell you that there's no hope. The physician might say there's no answers. Your life coach, your sports coach, your mentor, your boss, your spouse, your best friend, none of them may have any answers for you. But there is an answer, and his name is Jesus. And because Jesus rose victoriously, you have hope today because whatever Jesus touches, he resurrects and he brings back to life through his power.
that through His grace, why don't you stand up with me this morning?